0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. Arnold Palmer, Invitational DFS and Betting Preview. I'm Rick Gaiman, and as we do every Tuesday to break it all down, I'm bringing in Greg Ducharme. Welcome in,
1: Greg. Speaking of DFS... You had yeah. a, uh, it, it looked like, at least from following it on Twitter, it looked like you guys had a blast. You and Jacob, too. Jacob was down there. Eric K. was down there. It looks like you guys had a blast this weekend at the DFS Open. What, what was that like? How'd you do? How'd you play? How's the game?
0: Yeah, so uh, to, to get everybody caught up, uh, I flew down to Florida for what is deemed the DFS Open. Which is basically just a bunch of guys who play fantasy golf on the internet and, um, talk on Twitter, all got into one place, uh, played a scramble and was able to meet up with a lot of guys that I talk to often. Uh, got to meet Jacob and, and Michael and Eric Kay and all the other guys from the internet that, you know, I, I speak to but never get to see. Um, and it was a scramble. It it all benefited the first tee, which was cool. So we raised like $13,000 for the first tee, which is a ton of money. And then, yeah, I mean, I played, okay. I played better on, on Friday, Greg, uh, in our little practice round than I did in the scramble on Saturday, which I think might've been, you know, we were up late Friday night. We got to the golf course on Saturday, bright and early at at seven o'clock. It was a little tough to get going.
1: (laughs) I, I know how that goes, but you know what? It's all the more worth it. Uh, It makes for a great trip. So it's good to hear you got into the Florida swing a little bit. What do you think of Florida golf? Yeah,
0: man. Actually, we had like perfect, uh, perfect conditions. I was expecting super hot, super humid. It wasn't. The wind, the winds kind of beat us up a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's much different than the Kakuya that I'm, that I'm used to, uh, here in, here in California. And it was, it was cool to be over at the Honda for, I only got over there for a little bit, but, uh, it was, it was cool to see and it was a lot of fun. Looking forward to it next year. Yeah. Uh, did you get into the bear trap at all? You know what? I just like uh, viewed from a distance. Uh, by the time yeah. we had gotten over there, it was kind of so late on Saturday that I was just trying to see golf wherever I could see it. So we were just hanging out
1: uh, basically wherever we could get a look at it. <clears throat> so I assume uh, you've gotten a look at, at the um, Arnold Palmer Invitational a little bit here. What do you mean oh, yeah. of this golf course, right? Well, I mean, yeah, this is I- a good one.
0: Yeah. So, so Bay Hill, this is, this is great. Uh, Obviously iconic course, Greg. It's hosted this event since 1979. It's one of the longest running, uh, partnerships that we have on the PGA tour. And while it's not going to play as difficult as, uh, PGA national did last week, it's still going to be, you know, it was the ninth hardest course on the PGA tour last year. It was the second most difficult par 72. And Greg, it's, it's, it is Florida golf still. I mean, there's water. There's, there's bunkers
1: lurking. It's, it's that style no and and last year i mean it was it played extremely difficult last year i for some reason i don't know what the numbers say but it seemed like it played more like a major championship than it has in the past the greens got really firm the rough was really thick last year so much so phil mickelson basically said it messed up his swing the rough was so long at bail it messed up his swing and he almost bailed on the players if you remember he i mean he almost withdrew from the players championship he wanted to see what the rough was like first and that's how difficult Bay Hill was. So, um, it, you're right. It is a par 72. So that will yield lower scores relative to par, I think, but, uh, I still think it's a, it's a real challenge. You see a lot of high scores. I was looking through some of these players and their recent performances and there are a lot of really good players who have some good finishes where their lowest score in their career at Bay Hills is like 67 or 68 and their high score is like 77 or 78. So you, you can definitely see some high scores here.
0: Yeah. So to put this into perspective, uh, Francesco Molinari won this event last year. He was 12 under par. He barnstorms everyone on Sunday. I think he was eight under on Sunday and kind of just stole this yeah. away from everybody. Uh, Rory won it two years ago at 18 under Leishman in 2017 at 11. Jason Day in 2016 at 17 under and then the back to back years of Matt Every in 15 and 14 uh, winning this event. But generally speaking, a couple of those are actually higher than normal. You know, 13 under par would have won, I don't know, nine out of the last 12 of these or nine out of the last 13 of these. So it is going to play difficult. And then, of course, as always in Florida, uh, you can be a little wind dependent
1: out here. Yeah, no doubt about it. With the with the wind, um, you you never know what you're going to get. It, it can be extremely challenging, and the penalty. See, it's not just the wind. Wind is one thing, but when you add a, a great penalty for miss to wind, that's when it becomes extremely difficult. That's when it uh, that, that's when it becomes really scary. That's what scares PGA Tour players when you have the water that you do at Bay Hill. Not quite as much as PGA National, but still a lot of water out there. And some thicker rough. I I anticipate you'll see a little bit more rough this week than you, than you saw last week. Uh, Man, it can get, it can get real challenging.
0: Yeah. And then the last thing before we jump into the player pool here, remember this is an invitational. So we do have a smaller field of about 120 golfers, which means more of them are going to be making the cut, but we're, we're here. It is, it's, it's deep. Uh, we've got the best players in the world. Uh, I mean, we're going to talk through some of these guys, but you're all the way down to like the $8,000 range on DraftKings are all very good golfers. So uh, kind of reminiscent of Genesis, kind of reminiscent of WGC Mexico. We've got another one here, Greg.
1: Yeah. These are always fun. These are some of my favorites. As you build these teams, you're, you don't really have to go way too deep into the books. You don't have to search too much to find guys that, you know, like, so you, you lose a little bit of that bias where we've talked about this before. When you get down and we talked about it last week, in fact, you get down into the lower realms and you just take familiar names. You don't have to worry so much about that in a week like this. So it, it, it'll be very interesting to see. I'm excited for this. Putting a team together is really fun in a week like this.
0: All right. Well, let's jump into it then. So we've got the top of the DraftKings player pool. There are five golfers over $10,000. Rory McElroy leads the way at 11,800 followed by Tommy Fleetwood at an even 11,000. Hideki at 10,600. Bryson at 10,004 and Xander at 10,000. Greg, I like a lot of these, if not all of these guys but we've got to make some decisions here so what are those decisions that we're making
1: man rory's a hard one to pass up on he sure. he is just so they they price you out of the ballpark with him yep. so that's the challenge with rory the only thing you could say against rory McElroy right now is well he maybe has had a little bit of a hard time closing the deal and winning which at his price you you want to you you really want to win but that being said, you're going to get a top five out of him. I mean, you can almost guarantee it. It's as sure a lock as any. You're going to get a top five out of him this week. He's ha- finished in the top five every event so far on the PGA tour this year. He's had great success at Bay Hill, um, winning it two years ago. He, he too shot a 64 on the final round. And, and this was a place two years ago, he really kind of found his own on the greens and, and he and the work he did with Brad Faxon really started to catch the eyes of, the world of golf uh, this week at Bay Hill because he putted so well. So um, I, I do think the greens can suit him well. It's just a matter of, can you afford it?
0: So let me jump in on that because I want to put this into perspective. 11,800, Greg, is the second highest priced golfer we've seen in 2020. The only guy more expensive was Justin Thomas, who was 12,000 at the Sony open this year. So we are getting up into very high salary ranges and trying to figure out how you're going to fit him in your lineup. But I, I'd argue this is about as warranted of a price tag as you're going to get on somebody. You you mentioned all the, all the top fives coming into this, the uh, unbelievable track record around Bay Hill. Uh, I'd argue, you know, yeah, he should have won some events, which is like, that could be a good sign too. like the guys in contention. He's not backdooring his way into these top fives. He's not like, he's the best player on the planet. He, this is a course he's had great success at, I think this price is actually very much warranted.
1: He's just got to put four rounds together. That's been the only thing that's held him back so far. It's actually the opposite of backdoor in top fives. He's kind of slid from wins into top fives. So, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a warranted price. It's just a matter of can you afford it? Can you put together something in the rest of your lineup? Which is kind of a, again, you know, you look at all these guys. They all look so good up there. It's just where do you have room when you look at the other five guys on your team, it's almost like, and I'd love to get your take on this, in this, these guys that are 10K and higher, do they have to be the guys that you think are actually going to win the event? Like, do you pick Hideki Matsuyama to get a top 10 here, to get a top five here? Is there any validity in that, or do you have to think, okay, he's going to win the event, so I'll pick him at that price?
0: So the way that I look at this, uh, they they just have to beat their peers. So if If Rory finishes third uh, and Tommy Fleetwood wins, okay, then you got it wrong or, like, Rory did not pay himself off. But if, you know, Tommy Fleetwood, if you pick Tommy Fleetwood, he finishes third and Finau wins it and Leishman finishes second, like, okay, that's fine. Because, like, he just has to beat out the other 10K guys that are presumably, like, one of these 10K guys is probably going to be in the vast majority of the lineups.
1: So, to me, you just have to get the right one. Uh, I I see. So uh, that that interests me a little bit. Uh, and in in that case, if you look at Rory McIlroy, Tommy Fleetwood, Hideki Matsuyama, Bryson DeChambeau and Xander Shoffley, Rory's the head of that class. Sure. So you think you can fit him in a lineup here? You think it's worth it? <laughs>
0: I think we can, but I imagine actually a lot of the ownership will be sucked up by Bryson at 10400 Uh You get the $1,400 discount. He's coming off the second place at the WGC. He had the fifth place at Genesis. He finished second here at Bay Hill two years ago. I, I think that for those, uh whether it's more casual, like like when you get down to the bottom of the list and you get down to the low sevens and the high sixes, it's not so sexy to play all of those guys. It's it's a, it's a lot easier to kind of get a name that you know in your lineup, and if Bryson allows you to go from you know from fourteen hundred dollars instead of playing Kevin Streelman, you get to play Colin Morikawa. That is a big jump that I think people are going to make. So I think Bryson, Bryson, excuse me, actually sucks up a lot of this.
1: I actually think Bryson is worth sucking up a lot of this. I, yeah. I love that discount, and you look at what he's done recently. You mentioned second place in Mexico, tied fifth at the genesis, he seems to have kind of found his game. Uh, as you know, he's made the, the highly regarded, the highly talked about, uh, highly discussed changes to his body. Those seem to be rounded into form. And we're seeing it in some of the statistics here. fourth strokes gain off the tee, 11th strokes gain tee to green, 21st in putting, which to me is, is a big, impo- a very important thing for him. 53rd around the green. His areas of weakness have been a little bit stronger. His areas of strength, which is his tee to green play, those have been really strong too. And that's what, to me, is required at Bay Hill. So I'm definitely a play for Bryson. I'm going to play for Rory if you can fit it in the lineup, but uh, Rory and Bryson are my top two in that list.
0: All right, I'll give you one more because Xander is going to be the guy that I probably invest the most in this week, and I'm kind of going back and looking at his past results, and he's finished, you know, last three starts, 14th, 23rd, 16th, which by his standards, they're whatever, right? I mean, Xander's a top 12 player in the world, it, they're like, they're okay. Nothing to write home about. But if you look at him on a, a round by round basis, basically two rounds of every tournament, he's been the best player in the field. And basically two rounds of every tournament, he's been like bottom of the barrel in the field. And you know, you look back at WGC Mexico, Saturday and Sunday, he would, he dominated. He gained 3.6 and 3.7 strokes on the field. But rounds one and two, he was not all that good. He lost almost four strokes putting in round two. And it's basically a carbon copy. Every event this season where he's got it going for two rounds at a world-class elite level and two rounds of every tournament, he's just kind of, you know, hovering around or losing strokes. Once he puts all four together or even three, he's going to be in big time contention. I mean, he should have won tournament of champions if he three putts or if he two putts from 40 feet or whatever it is. I mean, I think the results on paper look worse than what his actual play has been.
1: Uh, He's immensely talented. And I agree with you. The good thing is, when you're talking, I guess this is kind of good and bad. You mentioned two really good rounds, two really bad rounds. That formula can work in the Florida, in, in Florida, when scores aren't really that crazy low. You can make a move on Sunday, like Sung JM did this week. You can make a move like, uh, Francesco Molinari and Rory McIlroy have right here at Bay Hill. And you can, you can come from behind and really charge up the leaderboard with a low one. Posting, Posting scores in Florida is really valuable in large part because wind picks up in the afternoon. You probably experienced it just this past week. It, It tends to be calmer in the morning, and the wind picks up in the afternoon. That changes the scoring. It gives an advantage to the guys that are out there early in the morning. So if you struggle a little bit, maybe in rounds two and three, maybe you get off to a good start, struggle around two and three, make the cut, have an early start on uh, on sunday you can charge up the leaderboard quickly so that bodes well for xander but at the same time what's the bad round going to look like because yes. in florida well hey um you you can make a charge with a really good round one good round where's the floor if the floor is a 75 or 76 that's going to be trouble uh, that could put you way back and that can happen with all the all the hazards around this place all the penalty areas around this place you know what yeah.
0: i mean for, for sure. So I'm in on Xander. I actually already bet him at 22 to 1. I'm in on Rory, obviously, and that is kind of more, uh, along the lines of just being able to fit him in your lineup. So for me, that leaves my fades at kind of like Tommy, who I, you know, Tommy's Tommy. That's fine. Uh, Hideki, who doesn't have a great, Course history is kind of a fade for me. And then Bryson, who I love, is just kind of a fade because I think he's going to eat up a lot of that ownership. I'm going to pivot to maybe like a Xander if I can fit him in my lineups or just avoid the Bryson situation. Does that sound about right? I know you're on Rory. I know
1: you like yeah. Bryson. Xander, I'm I'm on the fence on Xander. Uh, okay. Fleetwood and Hideki worry me. I I just feel... I mean Tommy Fleetwood's hitting it so good. You just worry about a heartbreaking loss like that at Honda. Yeah. Um what what's it take to come back from that? I know he sound he he says, "Yeah, yeah, I'll have a burger and a beer tonight and then I'll probably be fine." <laughs> so, you know, he does have that attitude where he can re- rebound and and respond, but I don't know if that's just kind of uh, a little persona saying that. I I think that one hurt him last week. As for Hideki I I love him this week as a player. I just, man, I mean, he's been playing so good. The putting stroke looks improved. Uh, I'm actually seeing some technical improvements in that stroke, which give me um, a great reason to be very high on him. I just feel like he's overpriced to be the third highest priced guy in the lineup. So I'm going to fade Hideki. I'm going to fade Fleetwood. Rory and Bryson I'm in on. Xander, I'm on the fence.
0: All right, fair enough. Nine thousand dollar range is led off by Adam Scott at ninety seven hundred. It goes down to Justin Rose at nine. I, I I hate to tell you this, like I don't really like. Well, huh, there is some guy I like in here quite a bit, but there I don't really like anybody in this range outside of. The main man, Sung J M, at 9500 dollars coming off his first career win. I absolutely love him in every stretch of the in every every word imaginable. I don't have the adjectives to describe my love for Sung J M. <laughs> um, unfortunately, this is the game we play where uh now he just won, so we cannot could not absolutely play we
1: can't play him this week, obviously. Fade him.
0: Fade. He's a fade.
1: <laughs> he won last week. Fade. Uh, and, it, it, you would think it's a great golf course setup for him. But, yeah. man, I mean, you just have to worry it, it you it, there's some validity to it. I mean, is he really going to come back and contend again second so, week in a row? I would actually say this it
0: obviously depends on the golfer that wins and what's going on and how you look for them the next week. Um Guys that win often are able to kind of deal with the the media and the obligations and just keep plowing ahead. If you've ever been to a pga tour event uh you know early on a Thursday or early on a Friday when nobody is out on the course, the only people that get followed tend to be the Korean golfers who have a a cluster of media with them wherever they go um and the reason that I say that is I feel like. That with this win, Sung Jay probably had a lot of media responsibilities and a lot of things that he did, uh, sending the message back home, um, you know, the, the, the celebration that was going on more so than a regular week. I would be concerned about getting back into the routine and firing it up again. So that's, it's, it's very narrative based, Greg, but that's kind of how I feel about it.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's 21 years old. He's twenty-one years old. <laughs> he is a star in his home country. And as you said, there is media coverage following him around like crazy. So that is uh it's definitely a concern. It's definitely something new. He will be fine. I just don't know if this week is the week to play him. Um that being said, you mentioned everybody else you don't really like. I'm I'm with you. I'm a fade on Reed. I'm a, which probably means he'll, he'll contend and probably win. It happens every time we fade Reed, but, uh, Fowler, I'm a fade on him for sure. He's working on that golf swing. He has, he's another one of those guys that keeps shooting a high round. And yeah. I, I worry at this place with these conditions, I see a high round in his future. I'm fading Fowler again this week, not worried about him long term, but I'm fading him this week. Kepka, I'm still fading him this week. Same story. Not worried about him long term, fading him this week. Jason Day, I don't know what to do with. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what, where, where to go with Jason Day. I, I haven't seen anything that makes me think, okay, this is going to be great. I worry about his, uh, his makeup, um, not his, as, as a person. I worry about the, the <laughs> style of game that he plays around yeah. here. I think it can be difficult, even though he's won here before. The only guy in this, in this range I like is Adam Scott. Okay. And he's way up high at the top. I think Adam Scott's, uh, set up to have a great week this week. I, I really like him. He's the only guy.
0: Let me ask you this. Uh, you have to play one of Ricky Fowler or Brooks Kepka. Who is it?
1: Oh, <laughs> man. It's like saying you're going to miss a – I guess I would have to say uh, I, I think for this week, Brooks Kepka. Okay. It's hesitant. There's not a lot to go on. There's not a lot to discuss about it. I just I worry with Ricky. I think his I think his high rounds are a little more prevalent. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. Brooks mentioned, hey, you know, I didn't really play all that bad at the Honda when he shot 74 in the first round. I just got a lot of bad breaks. I look at Ricky and he he went out in his first round and made seven bogeys yeah. um, and, and one birdie. And Brooks made some big numbers. He hit it in the water twice on number six. Yeah, he hit it in the water on 18. Like, those big numbers, I think, are, it's easier to fix two or three bad shots in a round rather than, you make seven bogeys, there's probably at least one bad shot on all of those holes. So, for that reason, I'll go Brooks Koepka, but boy, that's reluctant.
0: How about you? Oh, man. Uh, I, I think I would, I think I would have said Ricky, but I am not happy about either one of them. I mean, right. I, I would, I guess Kepka, you know, he's missed, uh, I think he actually withdrew once, but you know, basically three straight miscuts in, in the last three times that, that he's played here at Bay Hill. I look at his stats and I see, okay, he lost uh, another four and a half strokes putting at the Honda Classic. He's now lost strokes putting in four of his last five rounds. He's lost around the green in three of his last five. His, his weapons, which the are the off the tee game and the approach game are not coming back, uh, just yet. I, I just feel like at, neither of them are showing signs of life, but I feel like Ricky is, like, showing a the tiniest sense of life. It was just three starts ago, you know, he, he was a 36-hole leader at the American Express, but, wow, it has been really bad since then.
1: Yeah, it has. I, I, um, you know, you mentioned it. It's just these bad rounds. He shot – but 76 and then 68 last week. He had a couple he's played good rounds. That's the thing about Ricky. He has played some some really nice rounds. It's just where's that bad round and when is it going to pop up. So, you know, I I mean I guess I could go either way. I I'd, I'd go slight edge to Brooks Kepka. I think he's just a probably a better player than Ricky Fowler in general and yeah. and that may go. What do you think of Adam Scott this week? Um, I think he's fine.
0: I think, I think Adam Scott is, you, you generally know what you're going to get, which is he's going to play really solid tee to green. If he can roll the putts in, he's going to win, which is what he did at Genesis. And it's what he did in the, uh, the Australian PGA championship at the end of 2019. I just think that is, you know, exactly what you're getting. I don't think he's really ever going to burn you. Um, and if he, yeah, if he catches a hot putter for a couple days, you're in contention, but let me ask you about this. I already bet Justin Rose at 45 to one to win this golf tournament. And I know it's been really bad for him on the PGA tour. He missed the cut at the Honda. He missed the cut at the farmers 56th at the Genesis. But this is a guy here. Who's got six top 15 finishes in his last eight at Bay Hill. And I feel like he's so good. Like these guys that are so good. And we kind of just, you know, said the opposite about Brooks or Ricky. Like when they flip the switch and figure it out um, and you're a top 10 12 15 player in the world like you are going to be in contention and I saw that number that deep and was like I got to get this right now.
1: I I don't hate it as a bet to win. I yeah. I am a fade all day on Rose in the DraftKings lineup. Um but as for a bet to win you, you mentioned it and we forget this all the time. There are certain players that have, won, have won before. So if you're betting over the weekend and you're looking at guys, let's say on Saturday or Sunday, you're, you're going to try to hedge some of your bets. You're going to take guys at certain odds. One thing you want to look for is, well, who's won before? Justin Rose is a prolific winner. He's won all over the world. When he gets, when he gets in contention, he smells the blood, as I like to say, and, and he can go win the trophy. Now, He's a, he's in this situation right now where he's trick or treat. He has all the talent in the world to win. I don't think he, uh, his game is in great form. Doesn't mean that he can't, especially in a week like this where it gets tricky. It almost reminds you of, um, it could remind you of a Pebble Beach situation where he misses a lot of greens. He's getting up and down, scrambling like crazy all over the place, takes advantage of par fives gets himself in contention if he has a real hot week on the greens and uh and with the short game he could win but uh, he could also miss the cut and I I I think you you look at last year he shot what 78 77 or 76 77 over the weekend at Bay Hill it I I don't know man I Justin Rose to me it kind of disappoints me he was playing the best golf of his life changed his equipment Changed his swing and ever ever since he's just been plummeting from number one in the world all the way down now number thirteen. Mm. I I worry about Justin Rose long term. I really I, I really do.
0: So the nine K range for us, um uh, <laughs> I guess I'd rather play Sung than a lot of these guys, uh, but we're kinda talking Adam Scott, fading, yep. almost everybody in this range. And yep, if you really made us choose, you know, Brooks over Fowler, Fowler over Brooks, who the heck knows? But it's not a <laughs> it's not a range that we're it's gonna a have. Foot. Uh, we're not going to have a ton of exposure to this range, it sounds
1: like. No, and that might do you well. It, it's okay to have that. Ra- I actually look at that range and say, all right, that's good. Cause we like, we pretty much like everybody in the 10k range. Yep. We don't like anybody in the 9k range. So there's got to be some guys in the 8k range we like, right?
0: Well, let's do it because I love everybody in the AK range. Okay.
1: (laughs) So we've got, we've got some guys
0: in here, but, uh, first off, shout out to my main man, Benny On at 8700. I knew we were going
1: to talk about
0: this. (laughs) It's every week is Benny On week and like, okay, how cool is it that this guy goes out and shoots what? A, uh, opening round 76, I think it was at, at the Honda. His final three rounds, Greg, uh, best in the field in strokes gain total, best in the field in strokes gain T to green, uh, ends up finishing T4. It was beautiful. That is like what, you know, when Benny, okay, so last three rounds, he gained basically three strokes putting. So a stroke around. That was like the performance we've been waiting for, right? Just, just give us a stroke around. Give us a half a stroke around. You're going to be in contention because the rest of your game is so strong.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive. But, again, it was the putter that let him down. It was that one moment on the 15th hole. Now, look, if you're playing him on DraftKings, he's still a great play because he came back, you thought you were going to have a missed cut out of him, and he comes in fourth. It it turns out to be a great play. But for a guy contending to win, he comes down the stretch, hits a five iron, a little cut five iron on 15 to five feet, two inches, and just hits a, a terrible putt. Yep. And and it it's like that moment right now to me that's been on. He's when I need him, he's gonna hit a terrible putt. Well, and, he's gonna he's gonna my heart. He's gonna live and die by the putter. Uh, that yeah. is
0: what we know because the rest of his game is so strong. So okay, uh, this this is a range where there, there's a lot of options and a lot of great ones. Where where are you starting here?
1: I have a, a feeling about Tony Finau. I really okay. like Tony Finau, so I'll start there. I'm um, I'm in on Finau. Stenson I really like this week too Stenson's course history is ridiculous he's definitely a guy and his his game fits the model so the only thing on Stenson that would hold me back is he we haven't really seen a lot of him he hasn't really been playing a whole lot so gives me a little bit of concern where's his game where's the status has he been working on it but man I think it's a great place to to play Henrik Stenson. Yeah, so I'll what jump in think?
0: on I'll jump in on that real quick because you're absolutely right about the course history. Outside of uh, Tiger Woods, who's not playing this week, uh, I I don't know if there's anybody who has a better course history. Ten of eleven cuts at Bay Hill, including five top tens for Henrik Stenson, has never won here. So looking to add that trophy to his trophy case. But yeah, you're right. Winner at the Hero World Challenge, and then his three starts on the European Tour since are 23rd, 37th, and 44th. To put some context to uh, exactly what. But you what you mentioned and, you know, you'd expect him to do better on the European tour in some of those fields that he's playing. But eighty eight hundred bucks for a guy with winning upside in his last four starts and an elite course history. That to me is a full go.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a play. He's probably my most solid play um, near the top of the eight K range. Just uh, going down the list here, because, again, there's a lot of guys I like. Ben on. I like there's a lot to like about him. Um, I, I worry about the putter. Like you said, he lives and dies by it. So, um, and, and his ball striking stats, you know, I'm interested to get your take on this because they're not as good as I thought. I looked into it yesterday and are, are you like, uh, at all concerned with him statistically T to green or no? So what's kind of interesting
0: about this year compared to last year is so he's always been good tee to green i believe more of it is being made up this year so far uh, around the green than it is off the tee and on approach which is what we saw last year from Benion. Right. so he is still a uh, so now th- at this point he is like you know getting close to the top of the PGA tour at least top of this field and strokes gained around the green and he's like you know still above average in off the tee and approach, but that's not what we saw last year. So I I don't know if I'm concerned about it. We still are fairly early in the 2020 season. He is getting enough measured rounds where this could start to be a trend. So I'm not ready to press the panic button yet, but something that I would like to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. I I just don't know. He gives me, I I gave him a a check mark and a question mark because (laughs) I, you look at 70 second off the tee 75th approach, the green for the year, 17th tee to green, that's all pretty good. But when you're 193rd in strokes game putting, I I need a little more to to rely on. I need a little more yeah, but. And there's just, I don't know if there's quite enough. So, Ben on a a check to a question mark to me. Uh, What do you think about Leishman? Okay, so
0: I was going to say... Uh I've bet one of these guys at 50 to 1 and it's a guy we have not talked about yet and the answer to the question is Mark Leishman. Who yeah. you know he, he kind of broke Tory where you're he won at Tory in a way you're not supposed to win. You know, he broke the system by missing every fairway, throwing darts and making every 10-foot par putt. You're not supposed to win that way. Uh but he did. A- and generally speaking when you get Leishman on uh you know firm, fast, difficult tracks he tends to play better, and he's and he's been playing well. And he, I mean, you want to talk about course history in just the last four years? Uh, you'd be hard to find a better history than Leishman's 17th win, 7th, 23rd from the last four years, from 16 to 19. So yes, I am not usually a big Mark Leishman fan, but this week, you know, reading the tea leaves, everything kind of points in his direction.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that definitely piques my interest this week. Are you concerned at all with, that, um, that little trend, right? You say first, seventh, 23rd. It's kind of going, seems like that might be going in the wrong way. Is that any concern at all? Or is that just, you, well, you're only looking at numbers?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to go back and probably look at each individual year. But what I do like to see, because what we usually see is the year after a guy wins, um, there's a, a, a lot of time there, there's a letdown. Uh, Ricky Fowler, I feel like is notorious at this in his, I don't know how many wins, five, six, seven wins. He has, I feel like every year, the next year, outside of like once, once he's like missed the cut. Um, so it's good to see that when you get back as the defending champion and you finish seventh, which is what he did and he put himself in contention again, I love that. And then the fact that, you know, four straight top 25s, you know, if that 23rd was a 16th would we think it was better? It's probably only a one shot difference with with all the guys that get lumped up there. So I, I'm not super concerned about it. I just like I like the four year look at it that he's got four top twenty
1: threes and a win. Yeah, I, I agree with you. For me, Mark Leishman and his game kind of suits it well. Maybe not the most accurate driver of the ball, but. Likes to fade it. He can hit it high. He's he's good out of the rough too. He's got real high arm flow in his golf swing, and that benefits you. And when you get into longer rough, which is definitely something you're going to experience this week at uh at Bay Hill. And I mean, we're not talking U.S. Open rough here, right? Right. But it's longer than last week. So I I'm with I think Mark Leishman is a great bet at at 50 to one. It's a great bet, and I think he's a good he's a good kind of a risky ish player to put on your DraftKings team.
0: Yeah, so for me on the fade side, um 8500 Matt Fitzpatrick, I I think he's going to be I think he's getting a lot a lot of uh, momentum this week because he finished 13th here in 2017, he finished 2nd here last year. I think people like to see that, but uh you know, a, a month or two ago Fitzpatrick was uh, You know he's rattling off top twenties all over the world since then he's cooled off a little bit he doesn't I think he doesn't have anything inside the top thirty five in his last four or five starts so uh generally speaking, I like fitzpatrick i I do the power rankings every week over at sportsline. I have fitzpatrick at twenty third which to me I think was like i'm lower on him than a lot of people. I think I've seen a lot of people kind of get him up in the fifteen ish range so uh, like he's a fade for me
1: i agree i'm I'm fading him for sure. The lower ball flight, I, it's worked in the past, so he likes the golf course. But I just think your your everything has to go right for him in order to win. His formula for success is well, I have to I have to putt really really well, uh, and and I have to hit the ball really really well. And when I miss, I think I mean there's just so much has to go right for a, a player like that. And I always feel like when he gets in contention, last year especially, he he gets into contention, and I feel like he's kind of outclassed. I feel like he's kind of the underdog. Uh, and, and I, I'm not a huge fan of that. So, yeah. um, Hey, maybe he can prove me wrong, but I'm, I'm fading Fitzpatrick this week for sure. All right. So for us, it sounds like, uh,
0: you're feeling fee now. Uh, we like Leishman. We like Stenson. Uh, I'm fading. Let's see. Uh, Fitzpatrick. Uh, I've already bet Leishman at 50 to one. I'm out on like Bubba. Any quick thoughts on like I mean there's so many guys here. Any quick thoughts on on Westwood and Hatton down at the bottom?
1: Man, I, you would think it'd be another good setup for Lee Westwood, but I'm I'm fading him again. Yeah. Uh, man, I saw him hit this shot at the Honda Classic. Oh man, it was he hit. I mean, it, it was a pitch shot from the fairway from a, a tight lie in front of the fairway, and he hits this. To this pitch shot ends up being a foot and a half away. I mean, it rolls up there right next to the hole. It was so bad. It, it, the technique, he, I mean, he was millimeters away from hitting that ball two feet. He just, it looked like he had the yips. I'm not saying he does, but it was but he bad. Got away with it. He got away with one big time. And I worry you, you hit it over a couple of these greens at Bay Hill. There's a couple uh, some more collection areas, some more elevated greens. I worry about Westwood in those situations. Greens get firm wind picks up. You're going to even, even a ball strike likely Westwood will miss a couple of green. And I worry about him getting up and down from those areas. So he's out for me. Hatton Hatton's interesting. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I'm a fan on him. I, I don't think this is a great course for
0: him. Here's what you need to know about Hatton. Uh, he played great in Mexico and his stats are awesome, but he has four measured rounds. So if you're cool with a small sample size and, and not really knowing how this looks long term, yeah. Hatton looks great. Uh, but understands that, yes, because he's, he's like leading the field and the tour in strokes gain T to green. Realize that is like four, literally four rounds
1: uh of, of shot link data <laughs> yeah i'm surprised he's even uh, there's even enough to rank him it's yeah i was surprised like that too. by it right? yeah th- there,
0: well there's usually uh i don't know if it's because we're early enough in the season but we shouldn't be at this point where there's usually a minimum number of rounds to
1: qualify for stats right and i i i don't know i don't know why hatton's in there yeah. but it's it, small it, it's strange i agree yeah I'm a, I'm a fade on Hatton. all right Well, here's what
0: we're going to do. We're going to jump into the 7Ks and below get some value in here. But first, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. All right, Greg, we're back here jumping into the 7K range. I feel like we're alternating love the 10s, hate the 9s, love the 8s. I hate the sevens <laughs> like I might just uh, which is a shame because there's like 50 guys in this range. Um, is there anyone in particular that you feel strongly about in one way or another in this in this area?
1: I want to get your thoughts on Max Homa. I want to talk about him, but I, I, I don't love him enough to answer your question. So I will answer your question. It's a guy I've talked about a lot. I'm really high on him this year. Abraham answer. And in this Range, he's really the only guy that I like. Uh, once we get to, there's a couple guys, once we get a little bit lower, but towards the top end of the sevens, he's really the only guy I like. Um, couple reasons why. One statistically, he's pretty good in the approach to green area. He's 29th. He's 58th off the tee. Um, he's 19th total, 35th tee to green. He's very well rounded. Uh, 51st in strokes gained putting, which I like. Hits a lot of fairways. He's hitting 64% of his fairways. 69 percent of his greens that yeah. that kind of he, he can kind of plot along and he seems to be a different player this year so as for course history uh, I don't really look at any of that with him I, this is almost like a reset year for me and Mexico was big for him he goes into Mexico he's one of two players he and Carlos Ortiz are the only two Mexican players in the field it's a hometown event for him. They're doing specials on him on golf channel where he grew up. There's a lot of extras going on and he gets off to a tough start, but has a, has a great weekend and ends up in tied 12th. I, I think that was a big moment for him. Um, just like the president's cup, kind of proving that, Hey, he can really play with these guys.
0: Well, he also would continue to fit the international president's cup winners if he it's catches constant. this
1: one, right? Yeah, it's constant. I think I uh, I was looking at it the not 7 of 9 winners on the PGA Tour this year. If you exclude the opposite field event that Victor Hovland won, 7 of 9 winners are from the President's Cup, uh, and I believe 4 of those are are international players on the yeah. President's Cup team. Yeah, beautiful.
0: Um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of back in on Scotty Scheffler after a couple of missed cuts. He's $7,700. Uh, you know, he played, he was awesome piling up top fives to start the, the swing season, missed a couple of cuts at, at farmers and waste management. But then to me, the really impressive stuff is, you know, a 30th at the Genesis and a 26th in Mexico are not necessarily anything to write home about. But if you remember, these are literally, I'm not even exaggerating the Genesis itself outside of majors, and even including some majors, historically deep and tough fields. Like, they are legitimate big boy events, and, and Scheffler, you know, gets a couple of top 30s, which is trending in the right direction. He's great off the tee. He's great on approaches. He can make a lot of birdies, which is hand, handy for draft king scoring. So he's probably the one, like, check mark that I have in this range. Oh,
1: I like him, too. You mentioned bird, he's fourth in birdie average, which is big. Hits a ton of greens of reg, which is... Uh, you know, he's hitting over 70 percent. He hits it a long way, 14th in driving distance so far on the PGA Tour. Uh, the only question that I have, you know, the other thing I like about him, he's a, a Texas guy, right? Graduates from the University of Texas. He was born in Dallas, tends to get a little windy down there. There's some similarities between Texas and and Florida golf. That kind of makeup can bode bode really well. So I do like that. And I I checked his name off. But he and Max Homa, I feel like are almost uh, there's a parallel between them where they've played really some really good golf of late. Is this a situation where we're wondering when is the hot streak going to end? Sounds like you think Scheffler is just really good. And the two oh. missed cuts were were uh, just anomalies.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that um he is right there with that class of I know they're kind of all young guys. But the 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 Hovland, the Neiman, the Wolf, the Murakawa, the Sung Jay Im. I mean, this kid's unbelievable. And yeah. he's already cementing himself. I don't know what he's what his world rank is, probably 60 something at the moment, which is pretty impressive. considering Fifty one. even better he's got like 12 events on his record or something like that so i i I do
1: believe he's the real deal for sure and well the only difference with him and the other guys is he's a little bit older he's He's 23 yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) he's such an old an old head right so i i I like i actually i like the pick i'm a little because he's so young we don't know so i don't have like i i can't stamp my fist on it but i i checked him off too i i like that pick you want to know who i'm not playing this week
0: um, Charles Schwartzel, who let me read you this. All right, don't don't be fooled by the 17th place finish at the Honda Classic. He gained nine strokes putting on the week and lost 1.7 Tita to green. That is not the combination that is in any way sustainable. Uh, I mean, nine strokes putting is at the upper, I don't know, two percent of all tournaments in the last four years, something like that. Like it is a legitimate. Uh, outlier uh, uh stat line. And, and the fact that he followed it up with, you know, 1.7 t to green is about as bad as it comes.
1: So when I look at that guy and that putting performance with Charles Schwartzel, did you see the putter that he's using? Well, how did he even decide that that for, between the
0: putter and the grip, it, it looks like a spaceship. And then he uses like the claw. It's
1: unbelievable. Yeah. He calls it a shovel and there's a sign shovel. there's, there, now, that kind of thing can work, but there's a reason that you end up in that situation. Yeah. And, and it said you're not putting very well. Like you're never going to see Tiger Woods try something that extreme. Right. Tiger Woods tries a, a mallet-style putter uh, back in 2018. He was probably struggling with the putter a little bit, wanted something new to look at. This isn't something new to look at. This is like emergency time. i got to yeah. figure something out. And it worked for a week. I, I don't look at that and say, okay. He puts with the claw and that putter because he's a great putter. Right. And he found that because he was really struggling. So I'm with you, Fade Schwartzel. All
0: right. So in on Scheffler for me. You like answer. I like answer too. I think that's fine. Out on Schwartzel. I mean, I don't think we need to really explain why. But like, I I'm out on Frankie Molinari. I don't care that he's yeah. the defending champion. I don't care that he's got great course history around hey, here. The you, guy... can, you can get a great price on him. Uh, yeah, I mean for a reason. Exactly. Um, you know, I could I could be generally interested in like a Jason Koch rack just because he's a decent ball striker, but like I'm not excited to run to my computer and put any of these guys in my in my DraftKings lineup.
1: I'm I'm totally with you. We are on the same page in this. We're we're definitely in the grants here. The only guy I got to get your thoughts on is Max Holma. Four straight top 15s. Seems to be hitting it a little better. His stats for the year aren't great, but do, do you think that this is coming to an end? Do you think we're seeing a better Max Homa? What, what do you make of him?
0: So uh I generally think I, I, I'm lukewarm on him. Like I'm more optimistic than I'm pessimistic. But I think we're going to find out this week because now it's been, you know, a couple of weeks off for him. We haven't seen him since the Genesis. We're going to find out if that was just because remember, he did that without taking a week off. You know, his his right. four. Week stretch where he went ninth, sixth, 14th, and fifth was, was all back-to-back weeks, and so now he's taken two weeks off. We're going to see if this just picks right up, which would be a general indicator that he's a, he's a much-improved player, and he's, and he's found it, and he can repeat it, or whether that was just a hot streak that he was able to carry over day-to-day-to-day to day to day for four weeks, and now maybe he can't find it again.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. I, I worry the week off. What are you going to get? I, I, I just, I just don't know with him. So I'm, um, I'm big question marks. Luke, you said, but I am much higher on answer and Scheffler. Okay. Uh 6K range just to stay on
0: brand here. Uh I think it's a great range. But I think there's a lot of guys here. So, uh, <laughs> a, a bunch from, you know, 6900 is, you know, Brendan Todd, Cam Champ, all the way down to the min, where you get like DJ Singh, Scott Harrington, Robert Gomez, uh who won this event 20 They're actually 30 years ago. I think he won it in 1990. That's the that's the bottom of it. Uh but for me, we're seeing uh Harry Higgs again. So Harry Higgs took a couple weeks off before the Honda Classic. He had that three, you know, top twenty-five stretch in a row. And if you look at Harry Higgs last week, Greg, I'm gonna pull up his numbers here because for the first three rounds, uh, he was really good. He he gained yeah. a, gained five and a half tee to green and lost a shot and a half putting. That's the profile I love. Now, unfortunately, on Sunday, he just absolutely pressed the eject button, lost. 1.6 T to green lost another 4.2 on the greens ends up finishing in a tie for 58th. But uh, I would argue that like 15 of his last 16 rounds outside of the final round at Honda have been pretty good
1: golf. I I think he's a, yeah, you mentioned, he's kind of like a darling of of, uh, of fantasy golf. So yeah. I, I think you look at that, that three out of four good round, I mean, you can get a lot of points that way. So I, I, I'm not going to steer you away from a Harry Higgs. Uh, I'm not sure how much that trend is going to continue. But, again, I wouldn't steer you away. The guy that I really like, who I think is underpriced again this week, is Sebastian Munoz. I think he's great off the tee. He's very well-rounded. He is at 6,900, which may be a little bit high. But I I really like the guy. The only problem with Sebastian Munoz is in, in order to find his name on on PGA Tour dot com, you got to search him through your taskbar <laughs> because he's okay. got some, uh, you know, some apostrophes in his name, and I don't know how to do those on the keyboard. I have to learn how to, how to do that. But I love, I love Sebastian Munoz. What do you think about him?
0: Uh, I. I like him generally because I have a lot of shares of him in, like, season-long fantasy formats where we draft before the season starts, and then that's it. And I ended up with a lot of shares of him for a lot of the reasons that you discussed. He's one of the few players in this range that gains in all four of the categories. He can pop at times. And if you're interested, uh, you can get that n the the N with the tilde above it, by going Alt-164 on your keypad. That'll get you that character, Greg.
1: alt one. Six, four. Got There you it. go. Okay. Boom. You're so in. I know how to find him. But look at, I mean, listen to this recent form. It's pretty good. Tied 47th at the Waste Management. We don't love that. That was after missing the cut at the Farmers. Tied 21st at the American Express. Uh, and missed cut at Sony. Tied 17th at Century Tournament of Champions. So a little bit of teeter-tottering back and forth here. Um, but since that tied 47th at the Waste Management, Tied 26th at Genesis. You mentioned how deep that field is. Tied 14th at the World Golf Championship in Mexico, which was another really good finish. I look at this guy, and I think he uh, has the ability to be really consistent on the PGA Tour. 37th tee to green, 47th off the tee, 50th approach to green. You mentioned he gains in all four categories. To me, I really like that. And when you can get a guy who's that consistent in the 6K range and can also make four point three five birdies per round, rank eighteenth on tour in birdies per round. Uh I, I really like that.
0: How about Matthew Neesmith at sixty eight hundred dollars? He's made eight straight cuts. He has no worse than a well, in his last seven he has no worse than a thirty-eighth. And he has four top twenties in those seven starts. He just continues to be around. He continues to uh you know make the cut, which when you're getting down into this range you're not asking for much more than that.
1: He, uh, is, he definitely has my interest and he played very well on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. And I want to say, um, Corn, he, he won, I forget how he got in exactly, but he either, he came in second or won the Corn Ferry, the finals, uh, or he won the 25 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So he, he, he won. Was,
0: yeah, he won Albertson's Boise Open, which, uh, is towards the end of the year before the, the Corn Ferry Championship, but that's the way he got his card coming in that way. Right.
1: So yeah. it, extremely good play all year last year on that tour. Uh, and, and, right. So he won the big event in the, that's in the finals. That's what that is. Yes. He, he won in the finals. It's
0: the second to last event,
1: I think. Right. So he were, he, he was, had my interest early in the year. He was a guy that I, I was very high on. Uh, coming in early in the wraparound season, missed his first three cuts, uh, and it, it didn't look very good. But since, you're right, this is the kind of play that I've expected out of Matthew Naismith. This is the guy that I thought we were going to get a little bit earlier in the year. Now you have the tied six at Puerto Rico, um, making the cut again at the Honda Classic. There's some value in this. There, there's definitely value in this pick. And here's the stat that I like. the The thing that you can kind of hang your hat on, as I always like to say when you're in this range, you got to hang your hat on something and he hit 72% of his greens in regulation 13th on tour in greens and reg uh, that's going to bode really well on a difficult golf course like this i have two
0: questions uh first off are they building a house behind you
1: they are <laughs> um, are um, you building yeah. a house <laughs> no, and I appreciate you bringing that up. So there's so much going on in this house today. It's crazy. Um, Michael's white. I'm at Michael's house. This is where I always do all this kind of stuff. Well, sometimes I do it at my house. But during the week like this, I do it here. And right there's a staircase right on the other side of this office. And uh, they're putting car- new carpeting on, on the stairs Got in an unfortunate circumstance. Now, why, wouldn't, why would I be in the office if they're putting new carpeting in right next door? Well, in the studio, uh, on the other side of the wall, there are about eight people in there working on this new project, which I, I can't give any more information about. It's something you'll have to stay tuned for, but I can't be in there either. And then in the other side of the house, in the kitchen, there's a new dishwasher going in. The driveway out here looks like a, like a parking lot. It's <laughs> crazy. So well, I, well, I apologize it's... if that was distracting for anybody, but no, no, I'm trying to.
0: I just like to poke fun. It's, uh, you know, improvements are always <laughs> a good thing and top secret projects will be exciting when we hear more about it. And then my second question, uh, could I interest you in a $6,300 two times offending champion, Matt Every?
1: No. <laughs> correct. That is the only correct answer. <laughs> no. Yeah, have a two. Just think about this. Think about the, we know that course history on DraftKings, uh, and in betting odds, we've talked about this before. It's it's very important, right? It it probably is more important than recent play. And he's won twice here and he's sixty three hundred dollars. There's a reason for it. Yep. Stay away. Yeah,
0: I'd rather play. I mean, you know, Kevin Chappell is sixty-two, he's been better since Matt Evry's win. I mean, we're getting down into the bottom of the barrel here. So uh I'm staying away from Every. I'm staying away from you know, I won't be fooled by by Zach Johnson in this range. But my investments will trend heavily towards Harry Higgs, uh, and Matt Niesmith amongst others. Does that sound like yeah. we're, any, anybody yeah. else we're
1: missing here? I like those two guys. Sebastian Munoz is the oh, only Munoz. other guy in the 6K range I like. So I'd be positive on those three, Munoz being my favorite, even though he's the most expensive out of all those guys. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, man, the rest of these guys, you're throwing darts if, if you get lucky and pick a Maverick McNeely or, uh, well, I'm sorry. Um, that I'm throwing the wrong name out there. Mackenzie Hughes is who I'm referring to. If you get lucky and hit like that, then good for you. I'm I'm gonna run through a couple of these head-to-head matchups here, Greg,
0: because I think this one could pique your interest based on what I know about you. I see the same exact odds, minus 106 on both sides of Ricky Fowler versus Tony Finau.
1: You're you hammer Finau on this one, wouldn't you? Oh man, yes, hammer Finau on this. Rick, oh my god, you gotta worry about. I think I I have a funny feeling about Tony Finau this week. I I really think he's gonna step up and perform so i think you're going to see him around ricky i i don't have any confidence that he's going to be near the lead on this one he may make the cut he could play better this week but is this really the tournament that ricky's going to put four rounds together and he's working hard on his game and like i said i'm not worried about him long term just right now i mean this is when you take that bet Hammer female
0: please this, this uh i'm looking at these i'm wondering if vegas knows something we don't know here's another one brooks kepka minus 110 versus jason day who's you know plus 100 so you're getting a little better odds on J day
1: uh is that just the respect for brooks kepka or like what are we missing here well, I don't know. See, Jason Day is a question mark to me in this one. Like Tony Finau, to me is not a question mark at all. Yeah. I I have he is so consistent, he's so steady. I I mean you you kinda know where he's gonna be. That floor is very high. The floor with Jason Day is not as high. Um we know the ceiling of Brooks Kepka. We know the ceiling of Jason Day. They're both capable of winning. But uh I, I think they both have kind of Uh, weak floors right now. And I I worry about that. So I'm not as bullish on that one. I would probably sway towards day on that. But man, I'm I'm not confident enough to bet against Brooks Capco with, with Jason day. Are you, are Uh, you all day on that?
0: Um, I, it would probably be a no bet for me, but if I had to bet it, yeah, I'd probably take day. I mean, Brooks looks so bad right now. Um, at least, you know, day played well at farmers. We've seen him like play well in the last month. Uh, we have not seen Brooks play well in a long time.
1: And it's not a major. So,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. So he doesn't care. Um, one, <laughs> all right, one more, because the, these guys are this one is interesting because I think these guys are kind of in a similar boat where, uh, you know, we haven't seen him play all that much or all that great recently, but they have awesome course history. So Justin Rose, minus one twenty. He's the favorite over Henrik Stenson at
1: plus one ten. What say you, Greg? Underdog. Uh, go with the underdog here. This is Henrik Stenson. All day. That course history is phenomenal. I think the course sets up very well for him. Uh, and Justin Rose, definitely a little bit of win equity. Yep. But uh, it, he, there's a chance. But for him to win, things have to go uh, in the right direction, no doubt. So I think that is kind of what I'm
0: looking at, where I think Rose, yeah, probably has more win equity, which is why I kind of like betting him outright better than betting him in a matchup where generally i go for a more consistent solid option not that at the moment either of them are super safe but i i think it is the plus money on stenson at the moment okay
1: okay yeah i
0: agree all right greg it is time uh we've got to go on the record for our one and done picks so would you like me to go first or would you like to go first
1: um, let's see. I'll go first. Okay, I'll take the bull here. This is a tough week. I know this is a tough week for what I'm done. Um, and and it, we're kind of getting to that point in the season now where you're a little pinched. And the question is, do you jump on Rory? Do you think? Are you confident enough in Rory to take him take him here? I, I don't know. For me, I'm going with Bryson DeChambeau. I feel like uh, he's still a pick that I'm not going to need later on down the road. Like I'm not going to say, okay, I have to. Bryson's the only guy to take this week. There, there's not that natural fit, so this is one I feel like he's on a hot streak. When Bryson gets going and gets confident, he can really go. It's a good golf course for him. His distance this week with four par fives is going to is going to be a, a real benefit for him. Uh, and I like what he's done with the short game and the putting of late. So Bryson DeChambeau, my pick for one and done this week.
0: Okay, you're locked in for Bryson. Um, I'm so so these invitations generally with the prize pool. You do want to take advantage of these, and I'm going to take Xander, who I really think is uh, for for 50% of his rounds in the last couple of of weeks has been one of the best players on the course at all times. It is just a matter of the other two, and I don't think players this this good uh stay down for this long. And we're saying down is in like. He finished 14th at a WGC. He finished 23rd at Genesis. He finished 16th at Waste Management. Like those are bad weeks for Xander, who, who is such a, a guy who can flash it. And, you know, this is, this is a cut event. It's a, uh, there's going to be more guys that get through. But when you, what we've seen from Xander is if you can get him, you know, almost in a guaranteed four round situation, that tends to be where he thrives. So he's not guaranteed four rounds this week, but it's much more likely this week than in other weeks. I'm going with the X man.
1: It's a good pick. I love the X-Man. I just, there's one tournament down the road, uh, we get a little later in the season that I have Xander circled off for. So hopefully he comes in into that event in good form. But, uh, so that's, I, I, am saving him, but I like the pick. All right. Well, uh, Greg,
0: Greg Ducharme at the real GFD. Any final parting words for this week's Arnold
1: Palmer Invitational? I can't wait to see the golf course. I can't wait to see the setup of the golf course. It's, uh, it, it's phenomenal. The Florida swing is really fun. The Honda Classic looked a little shaky to start last week, and it really picked up towards the end and gave us a great finish. I think we're going to see the same thing this week, so I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to it.
0: All right. Be sure to subscribe to the First Cut Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rick Gaiman. you can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we will talk to you next time.